And just uh, by way of um, sort of introduction, I don't know, maybe several introductions. Um, first of all, again, if you're visiting with us, uh, we've been uh, preaching through the, the phrases of the Apostles' Creed uh, bit by bit. Uh, we're now on the next to last uh, assertion, the next to last uh, phrase. And so this is week 10. Next week will be week 11. Uh, and we will complete the series. Um, a word of warning, I guess, uh, to my late professor, Frank Kick. Uh, my apologies. I'm breaking a rule. Uh, he always warns you, don't make your last point your longest. I'm breaking that rule today. Um, I, I tell you that because we get in this habit, this pattern of, okay, there was point one. Oh, there was point two. Point three is going to be the same length. This guy's going to preach short and it's not going to be... Don't get your hopes up. Um, and then my, my sort of last caveat is this. I'm, I, I cut the grass Tuesday. I haven't had allergies. So supposedly this is like the worst allergy place I've ever lived. And I haven't had an issue the entire time I've lived here. Until Tuesday. And ever since, I've just been... So if I just quit... We'll just sing and go home and you'll understand. Um, but between sore throat and voice issues, and it's just been really bothering me. Uh, John chapter uh, 5, we'll begin in verse 25. It's our practice to stand when we read, God, read God's word. So if you are able, would you please uh, do that now? John 5, beginning in verse 25, although we'll focus primarily on 28 and 29. Truly, 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 I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray. Uh, we pray, O Holy Spirit, that you would, would be at work uh, in us through this, your word. Would you teach us? Would you strengthen our faith? Would you open our eyes to see Christ, unstop our ears, and even... Um, plow the soil of our hearts that we might hear and understand and be changed by this, your word. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I guess you can choose your, um, choose your famous philosopher if you like. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was sort of the one who famously said, uh, in the world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Uh, I'm not sure he meant it exactly the way we use it. But you know the story. You know, the only two guarantees in life, death and taxes. Uh, you will certainly die. And until you do, uh, you will pay taxes. Or if you'd like, you, you can have Forrest Gump's mama uh, who said death is just a part of life. And... They're right. Uh, one thing we can all agree on is that death is certain. We've seen it. 
We've experienced it, some more painfully than others. But we recognize that that dying is just a part of life, that death is a reality in this world, in this life. The catch is, for many of us, that's where the agreement ends. Because then when you ask the question, what happens after that? You might get all sorts of answers from the, the infamous Shirley MacLaine, who I'm pretty sure in a previous life signed the Declaration of Independence. Have you ever noticed that people who believe, people who believe in reincarnation, um, they were never nobody in their previous life? They were always somebody. They were never like a drunk homeless thief. They always were somebody. But they're, you know, for Shirley MacLaine, I'll come back as a, as a, well, it depends on how good a life I live. Uh, for others, it's, uh, well, this is the end. Uh, and this certainly would have been common in uh, first century Greco-Roman world. This is all there is. And so eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we'll die. And I have to be honest with you, I have my questions about even the graveyards here in Athens. The point is, there are all sorts of answers to the question, what happens after this? People have all sorts of views, all sorts of, not just in the church, but outside as well and inside. And so the question becomes, what's going to happen? What happens after death? What can we expect for ourselves and for our loved ones? What hope do we have? If we're going to work our way through the Apostles' Creed and say that I believe in the resurrection of the body, what exactly do we mean? What are we saying? Well, first notice in verse 28. I want you to see that Christ will come back once. Notice He speaks Jesus. This is Jesus talking. If, if, if you're not using a, a red word Bible that sort of gives it away for you, uh, especially since we picked up in the middle of a context. Jesus is the one speaking and He's saying, look, there is an hour coming. There's an appointed time when all who are in the tombs will hear the voice of Christ and come out of their tombs. When the Son of Man returns and gathers those who are in the grave. The King will return to His people. But notice, first of all, he speaks of an appointed time. There's one. There's not evidence in Scripture of multiple returnings, of multiple coming backs of, of Jesus. You've seen the bumper sticker, in case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. There's no, there's no evidence in Scripture of Jesus coming back once to gather some people and then coming back again at a later date to gather some other people and coming back again to do something different. There's always the picture of one return of the King. One return of Christ. I can't find the evidence for you're riding along, riding shotgun in a car that suddenly is without a driver or going to bed next to your spouse, waking up in the morning and they're not there and gone. 
um, been raptured out of this world. That's not the picture of that the Bible gives us. Notice John writes, he's writing Jesus' words, there is an hour, there is a coming, uh, an hour coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice. Now to be fair, we don't know when that is, right? We aren't told exactly when that day will be. In in Luke 12, Luke writes, writes about it as uh, like a, a thief in the night. The, the rise of security cameras, this is all over social media these days, all over the internet. You can watch all the, the, the funny uh, pictures, the videos that people get on their phone of their video camera right outside their front door and people trying to steal packages and people trying to all kinds of crazy things. With the rise of these security cameras, the whole goal is I'm pretty sure that somebody might try to break into my house and because they might, I'm going to put this camera up so I can catch them in the act. If you knew when they were coming, you wouldn't need the camera. You would just wait and sit there at that, you could sleep great every other night and then just stay awake the one night you know they're coming. That's what, that's what Jesus means, like what Luke means in Luke 12, like a thief in the night. It's, it's unannounced, it's unexpected, you're not exactly uh, prepared for it. The urging, of course, though, is that we be prepared for it. Because He's coming like a thief in the night, we should be ready, we should be on our guard. We don't know when the day is, but the teaching of God's Word is there is an hour. There is a day. There is one appointed return of Christ. The second thing we see, Christ will come back once, but Christ will come back once for everybody. Because notice in verse 28... Uh, who hears the voice of Jesus and comes out of the tomb? Well, it's anyone who's in the tomb. He's not saying that when the believers hear His voice, they'll come out, but, but people who died and weren't Christians, they're going to stay there and until I come back again later and get them. That's not the, the picture of God's Word at all. No, He says there's... An hour coming when all who are in the tombs will hear the voice of Christ and come out. In fact, he's, he's more specific in verse 29. Both kinds of people, if I can use that phrase, those who have done good and those who have done evil, those who are believers, those who belong to Christ and those who don't, they both will come out of the tomb and hear His voice and be raised. There's not one return for Christians and a later date return for the people who weren't Christians at the time he came the first time, but who maybe heard the gospel, although I don't know who they would hear the gospel from, because if all the Christians are gone, I don't know where they're going to hear the gospel and have that other chance. So there's a hurdle right there. He comes back once, and he comes back once to gather all men and women uh, to himself. Of course, we, we all know people who have been lost at sea or burned in a fire or 
Jesus isn't saying that the, that the people who are, aren't in tombs won't rise. Uh, Joan of Arc, Hugh Latimer, both of whom were burned at the stake. Uh, th- that doesn't mean that Jesus can't put their bodies back together again, as it were, and, and restore them to life. He's not eliminating uh, those who were those believers who were, were burned in Nero's backyard or fed to lions and torn to shreds. John simply means that under, under normal conditions, particularly in his first century Jewish mindset, there's, there's burial for the dead. And, and those dead, when Christ returns, those who are in their tombs will be brought out. And there they will be judged. And their future determined. But notice, notice the means by which these people are coming back out of the tomb. Did you notice the instrument that God uses to bring these decayed bodies out of the tomb? It's His voice. It's His Word. God speaks and creation comes into existence. God speaks in the person of His Son, John 1 tells us. God's Word is what gives us life in Christ. It's what brings us, our dead bodies, dead in our trespasses and sins, resuscitates us and gives us life that we now live with Him. And it's His Word, it's His voice that the dead will hear His voice and rise. Incidentally, that won't be the first time dead people hear God's voice and come to life. It happens all the time. Every time someone comes to saving faith in Christ, the dead are raised by His Word, by His voice. Those who are dead in their trespasses and sins are given life by the power of His Word. This is a resurrection not of conversion, if you will, but unto judgment. Christ will come back once. Christ will come back for everybody. And lastly, Christ will come back for every body. You have to put enough pause there to make sure you recognize that's two words, not one. When we say He's coming back for everybody, we mean that everybody's coming up out of the tomb. But notice He's coming back for every body. Every physical being. Where does your soul go when you die? When, when you go to a funeral, when you attend a funeral, we, we lower a, a casket, a body into a casket and, and down into the ground. Is that where the soul is in that moment? No. At the very moment of death, the soul of the believer is with God for good. Well, at least until it's reunited with its body. We put the body in the ground. The soul of the believer goes straight to heaven, straight to be with God. We get that illustration, by the way, um, right there at the death of Christ on the cross. 
There's the, there's the thief who says, look, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And what did Jesus say? Eventually, you will be with me in paradise. Someday, hopefully, you'll be with me in paradise. Today. Today, you will be with me in paradise. The soul of the believer springs from the body, as it were, springs from this earth to be with God until it can be reunited with the body. Because that matters because Jesus isn't calling souls out of a tomb. In, in John 5, 28 and 29, he's not calling a soul out of the tomb. He's calling bodies out of the tomb. I know what some of you are thinking. I mean, my great, 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 go as far as you like, grandmother, father, uncle, aunt, has been buried in, and in the tomb for a long time. There's not going to be a whole lot left. Jesus is calling bodies out of the tomb. They're put back together again and they come back out of that tomb. When Christ returns, our bodies will be raised from the dead and reunited with our souls for all eternity. If, if your view of eternity, if your view of heaven is, is eternal harp lessons as just a soul, you're missing it. That's not the picture that Scripture gives us of eternity with Christ. Believers will live body and soul in the presence of Christ for all eternity. Let me, let me show you this a little more clearly. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15 is a whole chapter on the resurrection. Christ's resurrection of the dead, uh, the body of uh, believers, uh, what that body will be like. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 35. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel. Perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen. And to each kind of seed its own body. Notice that what Jesus is saying. If he's coming back for my body. What's my body going to look like? Well, you'll look like you. But not. It'll be the same body. But not. It'll be a. You, you, plant a, you plant a garden. You take a seed. You dig a little hole. I, I'm guessing. I've watched my wife do this. Um, so I'm told. You dig a little hole in some really good, nice, dark dirt. You, you plant the seed. And eventually, out pops a plant. Everything in that seed necessary for life and for 
production of fruit and for all that that plant is supposed to be and do is all in that seed. But what grows is not the seed. It's not like a giant seed comes up out of the ground. It's, it's from that seed. It's connected to that seed. It grows out of that seed. And it's a product of that seed, but it's not exactly that seed. That's Paul's point in 1 Corinthians 15. That's what our, our bodies will look like. We bury our bodies in the ground, and yet what comes out will be the same body, but not exactly the same body. We see this, for that matter, in Jesus' own pattern. His own resurrection is a pattern of ours. You recall on that first resurrection Sunday, uh, Jesus is up, has, has been raised from the dead. But at the end of the day, the disciples are all in the upper room. The doors are locked. And all of a sudden, Jesus is in their midst. Do you remember their reaction? They didn't say, who are you? They said, hey, look, it's Jesus. Remember, he said, look, Thomas, you see my scars? You can look, you can touch them. They're real. And yet he was able to get in the room without opening the door and unlocking the lock. It's the same body, but a different body. Our bodies will be the same, but they will be different. Right now, you and I deal with the effects of sin. We deal with them physically. Our knees creak, our bones break, and we have to walk around on crutches. We, we walk with a cane because we, we grow weak and tired and old and older and, and feeble. And, and we, we deal with sickness and disease in our bodies. We suffer those things that affect the way we walk, the way we live, how well we sleep at night. They affect so much about our lives. There'll be no more of that in our resurrected body. There'll be no more of that when Christ comes back and brings our bodies up out of the ground. What does all this mean for us? I'm, some of you know this. Some of you may not. Some of you perhaps have figured it out. Not a real handy guy. The one sort of real building project I undertook, I actually had a mechanical engineer helping me. It took forever. Forever. I'm the kind of guy who wants to be able to fix stuff, who can sort of see the damage and be like, I know what I'm supposed to do. I have a little bit of knowledge. I have no experience. I have a few tools. And, and if I don't have what I need, I know where I can find it. My problem is I get into a project and, and then get overwhelmed. And so then you sort of fix part of it. And then you sort of throw your hands up in the air and go, I got nothing. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I, like, I don't know where to go from here. The rest of what needs to be done, I don't know. I don't have the stuff for it. It's a, it's a bigger hassle. And so then it stays like that forever, unfortunately. 
So I'm not exactly like a duct tape and WD-40 guy. I, I want to be more than that, but I'm, I'm really not good at it. I can partially fix some things. And, and Nancy's patient with me and the others. Here's what this reality teaches us. I'm nothing like Jesus. He doesn't partially fix. He doesn't partially heal. He doesn't get in over his head. He doesn't do part of the work and then stop because he doesn't know what to do anymore. He doesn't reach a point where he throws his hands up in the air and goes, I got nothing. I don't have the tools. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have any idea what's left to do. That's the Jesus you love and that loves you and that you serve and that has come to save and redeem you. He didn't come just to sort of fix a little bit partially of the broken stuff in this world. He's come to make it all, make everything sad come untrue. Everything that breaks in this life will be fixed, healed permanently for all eternity when He comes back. Is that not hope and comfort to us? Will your body be the same? Yes. But no. Will you be recognizable? Apparently. But am I still going to have this really cool scar on my shoulder from when I slid halfway down my hill as a teenager because I thought I could ride down my hill without holding on to the handlebars of my bike? I don't know. Maybe not. That's the picture of the resurrection. That's the point of the resurrection of the body. Jesus doesn't partially fix. Jesus doesn't partially heal. He doesn't get almost all of it, most of it, You can be patient with Him for the rest. What He's come to accomplish, He will bring to full completion. He's come to set creation right. And that means the resurrection of the body to new life. All those things we suffer in this life because... We break down because we fall apart. Because in my dad's words, we've been away from the factory too long. We'll no longer, we'll no longer have to face them. In fact, it's such a guarantee. So guaranteed is this bodily res- resurrection that in Romans 8, uh, we read, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. Those whom He called, He also justified. Those whom He justified, He also glorified. What do you notice about that last verb? It's a future event. But it's written in the past tense. So guaranteed is our glorified body that Paul writes it in the past tense in Romans 8. Before it's even come true yet. 
A right understanding of the resurrection isn't simply a, just a, a way to win an argument with people or to get into a debate with people. A right understanding of our resurrection is a right understanding of the extent to which God will go to accomplish His purposes in Christ to save you and me from sin and from all of its effects. When you say you believe in the resurrection of the dead, that's what you're confessing. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You don't mostly heal. That You aren't in the business of uh, partial fixing things. Of maybe getting the bulk of it done, but leaving the rest for another day. And Lord Jesus, we thank You that You are about the business of full and complete healing from sin and all of its effects. We long for the day when we can say fully and finally and completely, hey, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? In the meantime, would you grant us the grace to love and serve Christ in the hope of our resurrected bodies? Thank you that we are not just spirits but we're embodied spirits and will be so for all eternity. Would you grant us the hope and comfort of that future reality for ourselves and for our loved ones? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.